best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me, as always, is Willow. Hi, Willow. Hi. Do we sound a little testy to you? And by we, I mean me? Well, that's because this is take two of this episode. And I don't have the same cheerful joyness that I did going into it the first time. We just recorded an entire episode and realized that my mic was not on. It was not on. No. And so here we are. And plus I've had, um, frankly, a shit week. It's been one shit stack day after the next shit stack day. Mm-hmm. And it's a, been a stack of fuck shit all on top of itself. I realize our audio sounds better. Yes, we did get new audio equipment. We did, thanks to producer Will. I just hit mm-hmm. my microphone really hard, so don't judge that. That's my fault. And uh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah, so in 48 hours, I got a flat tire, my computer unalived, so we have to now be in my husband's office, Mm -hmm. and just my new sewing machine right out of the box, broken, and so I've been very sad, and I've been crying and stressed out, and I was happy to do this episode once, but twice (laughs) is pushing it, and so we're just gonna, we're gonna do it again. (laughs) Yes. Because we love you. Yes. And we want to bring you a good episode. Yes. I got my grumpies out of the way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into it. And if you hear some tinkly, crunchy noises, because my cat's over here and it won't stop eating because it's fat. Which yes. I understand. Same. And if you hear wind chimes, sorry about it. It's windy and I have them. Don't know what to do about it. Can't make the wind stop. So there we go. So today's case, Willow, now that you've already heard it once, it's not as fun, is the Sauter family mystery. Yes good one it is and now that i've heard it once and i will i'm about to hear it again um i have heard it before but it is one of those mysteries it's so bizarre and you hadn't but whenever we found out that the mics were uh not working and we needed to start over you weren't quite done with what you were saying and like even up until that point I hadn't known everything that you were saying. So No, I really dug into this one. Yeah. As hard as I could. I figured you would. So yeah. um yeah, I like I like to dive back in again and kind of get back to where we were. So that way we can kind of talk about like Discuss. what we think happened. Yes, I do have my is, own theories. It is a mystery. It is a complete sure is. mystery for sure. It's really strange. It is a very strange one. Because I have several mm-hmm. theories and all of them. You know, when you don't know anything, everything is possible. Right. It's one of those type of deals. Right. And it's one of those situations that's not normal because, like, a lot of the unsolved or just mysterious. I feel like I could just about, Occupants razor it and be like, bitch got lost in the woods. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Was like, was like, yeah, usually it's just like the most simple thing, but there's nothing simple about this fucking case. No, it's weird. not one simple. It is a series of bizarre, fucked up shit. Yes. You can't tell if it's a coincidence, if it was some grand conspiracy. So I'm just going to hop right in. Let's get back right in. Yeah. Let's get back into it. Yeah. 
So on Christmas Eve in Fayetteville, West Virginia, West Virginia. See, the first time I sang the uh, Country Road song, because we all hate it. I hate that song. I won't sing it this time, which is sad for everyone. West Virginia. So this was in 1945. Jenny Sauter let five of her ten children stay up late and play with some of the presents they'd gotten early with the promise that they'd turn out the lights and lock the door before they went to sleep. This would be the last time she'd see those five children ever again. So, Jenny, who was also called Janine, although she went by Jenny, Cipriani immigrated to the United States when she was six years old. George Sauter came to the United States from Sardinia, Italy, when he was 13. After the two met and got married, they moved to Fayetteville, West Virginia, which was, at the time, um, they had a whole big Italian immigrant population there. So, they felt like they were right at home. You know, they were also immigrants. Right. Yes. And they quickly became a well-respected middle-class family because George started a successful trucking company. His company used trucks to haul fill dirt to construction sites, and later on, he hauled coal. When George first arrived in the United States, his older brother came with him, but after they cleared customs, his older brother fucked off back to Italy. I don't know why I keep, like, getting drawn back to this particular detail. I just think it's wild that, and this would have been the early 1900s, like around eh, 1905, mm -hmm. around then. Mm -hmm. You just, uh, like, well, bye, George. You're 13. Good luck in a country, and you don't speak the language and have fun. Right. With the probably five cents in your right. pocket. And the fact that he was able to go from a homeless 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. To a well-established business owner, business owner with ten children that he provided for, and a loving wife, and just a and very they were all happy cute. They were life. cute people, and it's very annoying. This story it hurts my feelings, but yeah, I think that's pretty amazing. He started working like at thirteen in the railroad in Pennsylvania, common job for immigrants. It's like the lowest of low collar, white collar, right, right blue collar excuse me jobs like it's yeah. the it's the basement level yeah. you know starting point but soon he worked his way up and he was a truck driver and this would be many years later probably when he was like 19 20 years old and he moved to a town called smithers and that's where he met jenny cipriani she was the shop owner's daughter there and she worked in the shop with her dad and they fell in love and i think that's super cute I just like imagine it like a nineteen, the nineteen twenties. Like, okay, nineteen twenties. Yes, but like a soda shop, right? You know, and you have like your soda girl. Nope, that's much that's later. the fifties, but yep. still, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. You're gonna choose to picture that. I choose the nineteen fifties for this look. <laughs> this is <stunning. laughs> and it's wrong. I so <laughs> moving on. So in nineteen twenty three. George's truck business was doing really good, and that's when they had their first child, their eldest, John. And over the next 23 years, they had nine more babies. That's so many. It's just so Ten, many. The last one was born in 1943. Man. At the time of this tragedy that befalls the family, their oldest, actually, is their second oldest, Joe, was away in the military. And this is this is during World War II. 
So that's important to point out. So George, despite being really well-liked in town and well-respected, was known for being kind of a hothead, and he was very vocally against Benito Mussolini, who was the leader in Italy at the time and, you know, leader of a fascist regime and allied with Hitler, and nobody likes that. Except, you know, there were some Italians in Fayetteville that just, that were pro-Mussolini. I mean, you'd think people wouldn't be. Right. But you, I I ask you to look at the events of January 6th. Exactly. What the, what the fuck, America? Mm-hmm. What the fuck was that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, I just realized what I did there. Mm-hmm. So when I say America, it's an inside joke. If you ever come over to my house, I've had people say that they think we're like speaking a different language because of all of our end jokes. Mm-hmm. One time, Maris had drawn this really pretty map, and somebody in the comments on his Facebook had said, what's wrong with you? That's not where Amerpaka is. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And it wasn't even a map of America. It was a map of a fantasy world he'd created. Oh, but they're just so simple-minded that... Amerpaka! They typoed it, so now we just call America Amerpaka. Because it's funny. That's cute. So I just explain it so you don't think that I've lost my mind. Although I may have. So George had a former boss, for example, who he was still really good friends with, but they were often arguing over Benito Mussolini. Like his former boss was for him and he was against him. But they remained friends. But what George didn't know is the guy had taken out a property insurance policy on his property. And, see, I've tried to research this. I think he knew about the policy, but what he didn't know is in the months before Christmas of 1945, the former boss had increased the amount. So that if something happened to the property, he would get $1,000. And look, in 1945, 1000 is a lot. lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. You could buy, like, I don't know, a house. No, not for that little, but, like, close. It was, I think you could buy a house for, like, five grand. Right. But inflation isn't real anyway. Um, yeah, so in October of 1945, an insurance, a traveling salesman, and this was really like normal at the time, people would go door to door trying to sell you shit. Right. Because there wasn't pop-up ads in the internet. So they're like, please let me bring you this garbage you don't want to your front door and try and sell it to you. And it was a traveling insurance salesman, and he tried to sell... George some life insurance and George was like no thank you sir we do not want any and the guy got kind of pissy with him and said that his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed and when George was like dude what the fuck the guy gave the reason for saying that as the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini so it was like traveling all around town that's so fucking weird that an insurance salesman that's not very professional, sir. Do you think he really was an insurance salesman? See, a lot of this can be brought into question. See, because Willow has now heard, like, most of the case. So now everybody is suspect. Oh, yeah. Every, see what yeah, I'm saying? Oops. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's it's something to keep in mind. So. Because I don't like that. No. I don't I, like that at I like all. this one even less. So a stranger came to the house and was just like. 
I, I can't find what this stranger was doing at their house. I'm presuming it was like another salesman or just a traveler or something. That was common back then too. Farm laborers would just travel all over the con country getting odd jobs. Um, <coughs> my great excuse me grandmother's farm um, took in strangers that traveled all the time and gave them work in exchange for room and board for a while. Mm -hmm. That was pretty common. But anyway, this guy showed up and was looking like inside George's house because they were being hospitable. And he was like, looked at the fuse boxes in George's house and was like, mm, those look like they could just explode with fire at any moment. What a hazard. And George was like, OK. And he didn't take him seriously because he had just had those installed two months prior by the electric company. And they had given the wiring in the house like their stamp of approval. It was certified safe. And the, the guy from the electric company wasn't a local, was he? I don't know if he was or not. Right. Like, I couldn't find that information. I'm just like, ev yeah, like you said, everybody yeah, says. Every <sighs> I know, I just... Case. So, the month leading up to Christmas Eve of 1945, George's two eldest sons told their father that a strange car parked along the main highway through town that was right in front, like, it was right in front of the property would sit there from the time the kids like started walking in like across the property for home from school until they got in the house and then it would leave. So it was watching the kids, whoever was in that car. I don't like it. Mm -mm. And I think it, I dug into this while you were like, we kind of took a little break cause we had to record this again, but I kind of looked into that part in particular a little bit more on Google and, um, it happened twice. Before. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Before Christmas Eve. Yeah. Cause I was like, how long was this happening? Yeah. It, and it just seemed like, and these are all the youngest children. Remember. Right. That it, cause they're the ones in school. It's not the older ones. Right. So Christmas Eve, 1945 saw the family except for Joe who was in the military. So it's two adults, nine kids. Mm -hmm. They're all at home. They're just having a nice, family dinner one of the siblings marion she was one of the older daughters i believe she was 17 at the time had gotten all her little brothers and sisters presents it was the five youngest solder children and they opened them and they were so excited they wanted to stay up and play with their toys a little bit longer and so they asked their mom and dad if they could and uh, now george left the decision up to jenny and he just went up to bed he was exhausted he's hard worker you know and these are early to rise type of people and the time would have been around 10 p.m and so jenny was like sure you guys can stay up but you got to do your chores first you got to feed the chickens and bring in the cow and then i want you to turn off the lights and lock the door you know they're like yeah mom we'll do it whatever and so jenny thinks too that the older boys are still awake so she feels safely letting them. She was a very attentive mother, too. This is not a case of neglect. Yeah. And so Jenny went up and went to bed. What she didn't know, though, is that the older boys, uh, John and I believe it was George Jr., had gone ahead and gone to bed. And George was already long asleep. Jenny believes she fell asleep around 11. But she was woken up. At around 12.30 a.m., very early Christmas morning, by a phone call. Now, y'all, in 1945, uh, 
people didn't have a phone in every room. They certainly didn't have cell phones. They had those old rotary phones, you know, where you like... And I don't even so know, satisfying. you know, I don't even know if they had one of those or if they had one where you just picked up the receiver and it has the bell on the front. Yeah. And you called. <gasps> oh, I love those. those are so I think that's the one they had. And, and it went to a switchboard. Mm-hmm. Now, for you guys who are young and are like, what the fiddly fucks is a switchboard? Don't worry. It's before my ancient time as well. But it went your call went to an actual live person in, an, in a little building. You should. Always a woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was a woman's job. It was like the like when flight attendants were all a women. Thing. Yeah, switchboard operators was the predecessor to that. Yes, the women always like had their like perfect hourglass figure with like the the cone bra and like the I don't know they looked all oh, yeah. done up. Victory time. rolls. Yes, and the victory hairs. rolls. Yeah, and I don't think they were all Vargas girls. They were just women, and some of them were probably. But that's like that's that's what you're thinking. Yeah, in your head. yeah, that's what. Like, anyway, old and they had a pegboard up there, and you had like a literal line, and you would connect one person to another person. Yeah, you would like take like it almost looked like whenever you plug in an amp. Yes, that's what it looked mm-hmm. like. So if I called in, I'll be like solder residents, please. They would go hold on, connecting, and then they would connect you. That's mm-hmm. how they did it. And so that's the type of phone they had. And you only had one phone. And it was usually in a hallway or in a kitchen. And theirs was in the hall. And so Jenny picked up and was like, you know, hello. And it was a woman on the other end of the line. And she asked for someone. And Jenny couldn't remember the name later that Jenny had never fucking heard of. And she was like, I'm sorry, you have got the wrong number. Now, in the background, she can hear, like, glasses clinking, people laughing and having, hooping and hollering, having a good time. It sounded like a party, like a Christmas party or something. And when she told the woman she had the wrong number, the woman goes to laughing all, like, whoo, all crazy. And so Jenny was like, okay, and just hung up the phone. She's like, fuck this. Yeah. Now, since she's in the hall, she notices the lights in the house are still on, so she decides to go check shit out. She's like, damn kids, mm-hmm. didn't do what I asked. Now, she did notice the chicken, chickens were fed, the cow was put up. Okay, that's good. But the living room curtains were open, and that wasn't like a thing. You, like, drew the curtains closed. Right. So she closed the curtains, the door wasn't locked, she locked the door, and all the damn lights were on, so she turned them off. She observed her daughter, Marion, asleep on the couch. She assumed the five youngest children had gone up to bed. Except for Sylvie, who was the youngest youngest. She is two years old. She is sleeping in bed with her mother. And so, I'm just putting that there. It's, right. So it's not the youngest youngest. But the rest of the youngins. The oldest of them was 14. Okay. If that helps. So, she goes back to bed. She tries, tries her damnedest to fall asleep. It's been a few minutes because, you know, all that checking of shit, it's probably been 15 minutes and she hears a really weird noise as she's about to drift off to sleep. There is a loud bang on the roof and then something rolling down the roof and she can hear something hit the ground. She thinks it's a bird. I would not think bird at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'd think like squirrel. Yeah. I don't know. It would creep me out. I'd get up and look. Or a limb. I bet she thought it was something like that. And to mm-hmm. be fair, I wouldn't either. She did stay up and listen, and there were no other sounds. Right. And so she was like, oh, I need to get some sleep. So she rolls over and goes back to sleep. 
She isn't asleep long, though, because at one, approximately 1.30 a.m., she wakes up because she smells smoke. And when she sits up in bed and looks around the room, there is smoke in the room. So, of course, like in a cold panic, she flies out of bed. Yeah. And she can see flames, and they are coming from her husband's office, where those fucking fuse boxes are. And she assumes the telephone line is out, too, because she can't get, like, anything, the phone to work in the hall she wakes up her husband and she's like get the kids and she takes sylvia and goes outside mm-hmm. now when they all go meet up outside there are let's see who it is it is george jenny little sylvia john and george jr and marion so george is confused he thought jenny was going to get the kids she didn't she thought he was going to get them so he goes to try he can't even get in the front door because the flames he goes around the side he breaks open a downstairs window in doing so he cuts his arm really really bad and he is screaming for the children the whole time and so is jenny and something to note here the children make no sound right I find that weird. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask about that. We'll get into that, though, yeah. the psychology of why young children sometimes don't make noise or do logical things, in, especially in a fire. Okay. There is psychology behind that. Okay. So anyway, he, he needs to get up to the attic where the children are, and he thinks, oh, I've got a ladder propped against the other side of the house. He sends his son John to fetch it, bring it around. He'll just climb up the ladder, right. break the window, get the kids. However, the ladder's gone. They can't find it anywhere. So John's just like, you know, he went and looked like over the whole property, couldn't find it. The mean, in the meantime, George is trying to think of a different idea. Mm-hmm. He thinks to move his work truck. He's going to climb on top of the truck, and that should get him up to the windowsill of the attic, especially if he jumps. Right. He has two work trucks. Neither one start, which I find fucking strange. They had started and run both of them the previous day. Now, it's cold. Right. But, but they've they started. Worked, yeah. yeah, they started before. And they weren't like old or dilapidated or anything. I can see extreme cold will sometimes make a car not start, even a nice car. But both of them ain't working. Right. I mean, come on. That seems right. a bit much to me. Mm-hmm. And so. It just seems like one of those horror movies like yeah. where like the, the phone lines are cut. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. All it's, the different things, all the escape up. routes are, you know, taken care of ahead of time. So since their phone wasn't working, and obviously the whole fucking house is on fire now, Marion runs to a neighbor's house. She can't get anyone at the switchboard to answer. So she runs to another neighbor's house. He can't get anyone to answer. So he goes into town to get the fire chief himself. And he knows the fire chief is probably at the local bar drinking. And he is. And it's F.J. Morris is the fire chief. And he's like, dude, the solder house is on, you know, fucking fire. Apparently nobody's working the switchboard right now. You need to get you and your boys down there and take care of it. And Morris is just kind of like, yeah, whatever. He can't drive the truck either because he's drunk or he doesn't know how, but he says he's going to start what's called a phone tree. And now what that means is, is he calls one fireman and that guy calls another fireman and et cetera and so on until they have the whole team assembled. And what time do you think it was that they made it to the solder house? Pretend like you don't know because I already told you once. Well, the first time I was mad and I said like I was, well, I was thinking like five or six o'clock in the morning would have been the latest and that would have been like the maddest. 8 a.m. 
eight six and a half hours later here's the reason for this and why there was nobody at the switchboard it was kind of in between shifts and they couldn't have they couldn't fill the spot on the switchboard but that was only like 30 40 minutes like somebody then came in morris wanted to wait until morning but the whole house is going to be gone by then you asshole you're the fire chief like you don't get the you don't get the term chief after something. <laughs> no, you should be fired. Huh? Uh, <laughs> oh no. That joke wasn't in there last time, so I, maybe it's for the best that we re-recorded it. Like, Stupid me. Anyway, God. uh part of the reason f- for I the, hate this man. Yeah, I'm not a he's a big piece of shit. Part of the reason too is that it's World War Two and the entire fire department was like in World War Two. But they had volunteer firefighters. But the big reason they were so late is because fucking Morris didn't do anything. Because he was drunk at a Christmas party. He was like, it's my Christmas. I don't want to fight a fire. Harry, fuck you, Christmas. Yep. So by the time they show up, it's gone. The house is gone. It has collapsed into the basement. It is smoldering ashes. The the fire was like the, the... Remains of the house were so hot, they had to, like, wet them down to even be able to dig through the rubble to look for the bodies of the children. At 10 a.m., Fire Chief F.J. Morris told George and Jenny that he hadn't found any bones in the remains of the house because the, the house fire just burned them to ashes. And so George ought to take a box, fill it with ashes, and bury that because that's all he was going to have. That's such a rude thing to tell a parent. It's the worst. Oh, well, you know, I can't find the remains, the remnants of your children. Your five babies. Your five babies. So just go get some of that dirt over there and consider that your babies and put that in the ground. Like, that is such... Why did Morris have so much contempt for the Sodder family? Why do you hate this family so much that you would go out of your way to to say such a trashy, fuck-off thing? Ooh, now you're pulling a me. You're mad. I'm mad. I can't even put words together. I'm just so mad at this man. I hate him. He is a turd. So shortly after, a state police inspector deemed the cause of the fire faulty wiring. Even though it had just been inspected, but okay. Grief-stricken, George couldn't imagine rebuilding on that site or even really looking at it, so he got five feet of fill dirt and just put it over it, and he said he was going to make a memorial garden to his babies. On December 30th, five days after the fire, the coroner issued death certificates for all five missing solder children. The funeral for the children was on January 2nd, 1946, Jenny and George were too devastated to go to the funeral. However, the surviving Sodder children went in their stead. And I think that is the saddest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't think I could do it either. To be honest with you. God, I can't even, I can't comprehend it. George did indeed turn the site of the house fire into a memorial garden. And they decided not to rebuild anywhere near there. As time passed, the belief that the children were taken was like their main theory. They just felt things were too fucking weird. Yeah. Shit was not adding up. And you know, maybe a little part of them, because there was no remains, just had to cling to that to get through it. 
Right. Well, I mean, you kind of have to. But fuck. Like, okay, so I've never burned a human body before. No, but I'm going to tell you some shit here in a minute. But, okay, so I lived backwoods, Arkansas. Like, I lived off-grid for a long time. Um, we had a dog that was very old that ended up passing away. And my neighbor, who was also a very backwoods woman, she had, she had several, she, she has been living in the middle of the woods by herself, taking care of all kinds of different animals and gardening by herself for like 30 something years. Damn girl. Amazing, badass woman. She has had several horses during that stint that have passed away and like from old age and whatever. Right. And when they have, she had to do her own funeral pyre for her for her horses. Mm-hmm. And she did the same thing for our dog whenever he passed away. Um and the thing is is it takes so many hours, days on days on days to burn it to ash of a of a constant bonfire bonfire with with ignite like with other gas like, yeah like accelerant yeah, yeah accelerants and stuff. So no one house fire is not going to be enough be and enough for five children. You know it reminds me of the Lori Bible case. Those two girls that went missing in Oklahoma and. The trailer they were in completely burned down. They found the bodies of the parents, but not the girls. And for a while, the police were trying to say, oh, they're just burnt to ashes. No. No. You dum-dums. No, and plus, children's bones are denser. They are. Rubbery. Yeah. Hard to break. So they they would burn last, basically. Basically. All right, so George and Ginny kind of had, like, a list, a laundry list of facts, weird shit, that just didn't add up to their children being dead but instead being kidnapped and here is the list i shall present it to you can i ask real quick before we get into it you may um how old how how much longer after the children's death did they live like did they a long time okay so they had a long time to think about this okay just curious george not as long as jenny she lived until 1989 okay they erected a billboard Right. With the, yes. like in the 50s, with the yes. faces of their missing children offering a reward. And that stayed up until Jenny's death in 1989. Oh, well, that's really precious that they kept it up until. Mm-hmm. There's still a flower garden there where their children died. Oh, good. Or disappeared. Either still not or. known. We don't know. They could have died right afterwards. <sighs> I will get into my theories yeah, later. Okay. okay, so. The wiring had been recently checked and certified as safe by the electric company. So faulty wiring wasn't the cause of the fire. But oh. what if the electric company guy was just like the fire chief guy and like possibly in on it? We don't know. Right. I mean, I doubt it, to be honest with you. Right, but I, I believe the fire, the fire was chief. set intentionally. All the house lights were on and working while the fire started and for a good while as the fire raged inside the house, including their Christmas lights. So mm, if it was faulty wiring, wouldn't it have all gone out or at least flickered off in some places? Right. Or shown any signs of faulty wiring other than the fire. So let me tell you a little story, friends. I had faulty wiring in my house in Tulsa. How did I know? Because if you banged on the wall that led to the garage in the kitchen, smoke came out. (laughs) and half the kitchen lights did not work and yes i lived like that for a year poverty 
I just hoped and prayed nightly we wouldn't burn to death in our sleep. Yay. No, really, I had people look at it and they told me it would be just like thousands of dollars. So I flipped the breakers to that. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't afford it. So we just let that part of the house didn't have electricity. Yep. But that's faulty wiring does make certain parts of the house not work. Right. And that was not the case in this. Right. Yeah. Both motherfucking work trucks wouldn't start. Yes, it was cold, but come on. Both of them really, really, they'd worked just fine the previous day. No issues. It makes me want to, like, go look and see, like, what happened. Like, was a line cut or... Yeah, like, like, uh, or, you know... Like, their ignition... Fucked with somehow. Mm -hmm. I wonder. I wonder indeed. Someone had moved the ladder. They never found the motherfucking ladder. Ever. And that was something that was kept... In the same spot all the time. All the time, yes. The strange phone call. Look, in 1945, you guys, it's not like when I text Willow at 6.30 in the morning a dumb meme about feet or something stupid that I (laughs) laughed at or a craft I want to do. It's not like that. Because Willow has her phone on silent. I'm not going to wake her sleepy ass up. She's done. Especially if she had a snack. Y'all, this bitch, if you feed her, she goes to sleep. Like, nothing will stop it from happening. Seriously, I had a salad before I came over here. And, and she I almost died. She uh, almost yeah. died. I was an hour late, and we had to record twice. Twice. You're awake now, though. Kind of. Vaguely. Vaguely. We're all barely here right now. <laughs> but you don't call after 8 p.m. That was a big, no. like, social faux pas. Yes. Unless it was a big fucking emergency. Yes. You did not call past 8 p.m. Well, and electronics were not a thing. No. Like, I mean, yeah, they had phones, but look at them, you know? Like, look at the shit you had to go through to make a call. phones, basically. You had to pick up the receiver and go, yes, please connect me to the blah, blah, blah house. And you couldn't walk around with it. It was connected to the wall. Uh-uh. It was connected right there. You but could I, not But I say move. that saying, like, it's not like they were up all night staring at a screen. They were asleep you know, and in bed. They And they got up early. They got up when the sun rose because they had to deal with the chickens and the cow and all of that stuff. And their trucking business. Well, and that yeah. was that was also the times, you Getting know. Getting all them like, babies ready that's, for that's, school. That's kind of how everyone It's different now, it. and it's all fucked up, but in a way that I appreciate. Right. I wouldn't it trade was, it. It was yeah. not okay to call at no, midnight. You, that's a bullshit move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the lady sounded drunk. Right. I, I'm going to guess they were at a party. And you know what? The police did investigate that later. They found the lady who did it because of the switchboard operators and all that shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she just dialed the wrong number. She's got the wrong number, that's all. It was just a very strange... That I could see being a coincidence. That was maybe the only coincidence in this case. But it was coincidence enough for you to question all of the other coincidences, therefore making this a fucking brilliant mystery, and it makes me so angry because five children's lives... It'll never be solved. I had ways I thought it could be solved, but then I thought about it. No. Anyway, moving on. The two threats made against the family by the insurance dude and the strange guy that came to their house. Yes. Fucking dicks. John, the eldest son, claimed to have like gone up into the attic at the time of the fire to get the kids out, but they weren't there. Now, he retracted this later, but I think that whole thing is weird. Like, right. what do you, you... Oh, you just made it up, John? What the fuck? Right. How could you be mistaken? Like, I don't... 
It's it's a whole ass like ladder that you have to climb up to go into the attic. It's not like you can be like, oh wait, did they I go stairs. there or not? They like, had stairs into their attic, but I mean, oh, it's still s- a process to get up there and open yeah. the door and look and say, up, oh, no kids, how weird. Right. Guess they went outside already. Right. It's not like you were walking down a hallway and happened to glance in a room. Mm-hmm. It's not a quick action. It's no. something that you had to go out of your way during yes. a very high intensity. Like adrenaline moment. Yeah, you would remember that. Maybe he meant that he meant to go in there and didn't. I don't know. Anyway, so Jenny had talked to um, a funeral director who ran a crematorium. And he said the fire at her house could not have gotten hot enough, just like you said, to burn people to ashes. Yes. That there would have been skeletons, whole skeletons, right there in the rubble. Yes. So, and, and that's true. And later... Jenny went on to try her own experiments. She burnt pigs and, like, cow carcasses. Oh, baby, she went full-blown. She did. And she said she could never reduce them all the way to ash, and she tried. She oh, timed it. She timed honey. it seven hours. I want to just hold her. I, I know. so bad. And you'll see the pictures, too, and it's so pitiful. They were so pretty, the babies, and she oh. was pretty, and it was just sad. Sad. She had her perfect life. She did. And this wrecked her and George. They were obsessed with this until they died. Period. Yeah. You would be. I would be. But it, like, consumed them. Later, it was determined the phone line hadn't been burned. It had been cut. Ahead of time. Ahead of the fire. So... But that means it had to have been cut right after that phone call. See how that phone call ties in? In between the fucking phone call and 1.30 a.m., there was an hour and a half window. No, an hour. There was an yeah. hour window. Exactly. To where it makes all of this shit really bizarre. And probably even less because she did a run around the house. She didn't see nobody. She didn't see anybody. Oh, this is so weird. Okay. Well, and the creepy the thing chills. is about, like, nighttime... Um, is that like when the lights are on inside and the windows are open, they can see and you can't see out. Yes, I know. And it's so creepy. I'm a window looker. Me too. So y'all pull your shades shut because people like me are looking. I'm eye hustling in your house. I'm like, what oh, you got? Oh, hell in? yeah. I'm always I'm wondering like, what people are watching on TV. Girl, what you got in there? Yeah. Are you cooking? Yeah. You watching TV? Are your cabinets ugly? Do you got some live, laugh, love shit in there? What you watching? Something stupid. It's always the office. Nine times out of ten. Is when it I, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Office or like literally in July. Okay, Christmas I'm going to say something. Mm-hmm. This is my hot take. Are you ready? The Office is not that funny. I like it, but Parks and Rec is better. Parks and Rec is better. The Good Place is better than Parks and Rec. The Good Place is the more, ultimate show. The best show that has ever existed, yeah. I cannot watch the last season. I will cry the entire time in an ugly, ugly way. The last episode wrecked me i needed therapy for that yeah was not ready for it my favorite show other than what we do in the shadows i also loved uh schitt's creek schitt's creek's great i bawled my eyes out at the wedding. you know what show you'd really love like really really love the great it's, it sounds unfinished like i know it's about Catherine the great oh okay. and it is so fucking funny okay and exciting and gross and i love it cool i'll watch it it's got fancy costumes. That's what I'm here for. I watched all of Versailles because of that. Pretty people. It's like soft porn and like yes. the 1700s. It's pretty people in fancy outfits, yes. which you would like that because that's what I love. You're big. Okay. So. Sorry. I, <laughs> I needed a break from this to talk about something stupid for like a 
fucking five seconds. I know. Because I'm so in on this case, and I, it, it, I'm mad. You mad? I am feeling very like your rageful. Dogs things. are barking. Yeah, they really need to shut up. They those need to shut sleeping. the fuck up. Those dogs. Ooh, it's Ember, She's too. a bad girl. She's being a bad dog. She's bad. All right, so here's some more stuff. Little Sylvia found in the bushes a hard green rubber object. She gave it to her mother. Jenny said it looked like a pineapple. It And George took it to the police, and they just kind of were like, meh, meh, and he had some other people look at it. It ended up being some kind of military incendiary device. Not quite like a grenade, but kind of like a firebomb. Golly, I don't know if a house caught on fire and you find one of those in the yard, wouldn't you think I'd look into that more police? But the answer is no. Every case we fucking do, the police fuck it up. They fuck it up. Why are they here? Why do we pay them? Oh my God, fuck the police. Just saying. Willow's making a very crazy face. I'm just, I. it's every single fucking case. It's every single fucking case. It isn't. I, it's every yeah. single fucking case. It's every single fucking case. And if, I'm just, I'm just mad. I'm just mad. Like, do your fucking job. Do, do your fucking job. Your fucking job. You are totally me vibes tonight. I'm just. Our <sighs> listeners are gonna be like, which one's Willow? Which one's Lillian? I don't know. Because I'm too tired to rant, and you're t- ranting because you're tired. Because I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny. So there were witnesses that claimed, like, okay, so there was a bus driver passing through along the highway, which ran in front of the house, that claimed he saw someone tossing fireballs, and that's a quote, on top of the solder roof. Which would make the house catch on Throwing fire. fire <gasps> the the, the dropping and rolling that's what she heard. That's what she heard. That's what she fucking heard. And it would sound very hard because they're it's trying... It's a hard rubber object. Well, and they're trying to throw it, like the momentum of them trying to throw yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Damn. There were some witnesses that claimed to have seen the solder children. Okay, so the witnesses are at the fire, right? And they're looky-looin. As one does. Right. Because, I mean, fires are so bright. House fires are so fucking bright. This is a small town. You know, it's, and they're you want to hear loud. something crazy? So on Highway 62, right now, that big junkyard, that scrapyard, is actively on fucking fire as we're doing this podcast. Which, which one? The big, on, like, headed towards Berryville, like, right, like, right before Berryville. It's right I by the trash palace. No, it's not recycled. It can't. It, you can no. It's not recycled. That thing has caught fire so many times. Has it? Yeah. Why? What is going on? I think it's a uh, meth. In, it's an insurance thing and meth. It's both. It's hand it's in both. hand. It goes hand in hand. Meth insurance. Just Do you guys for you. know that the HBO documentary Operation Ice Storm took place in Carroll County, where I live? I haven't. It's a documentary about meth. Wow. There's so much meth here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a there's a meth head right up the road and his dad his is the Jeremiah, sheriff. And his dad's the sheriff. And he has a little scooter and he put 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 puts up and, and down the road all the time. Spray painted um camo. Yeah, and like his car shitty. is spray painted camo and it says Trump twenty twenty. And my dogs hate him. And he drives up and down in front of my our house, um, our houses. Um like 50 million times 50 a day. Million just times. Like up and down, up and down. 
like, and shoots off his AR-15 all the time oh, for yeah, no reason. Yeah, out of nowhere, like in broad daylight, like when my baby is sleeping, it's like... And Yeehaw coleslaw motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, other than that, we live in a very quaint peaceful. and safe and peaceful place. And Except then for Jer- Jeremiah, the, a- the AR-15 just, wielding method. It's just also safe for But you know what? That, I wave you know. at him every day and I go, hey, Jeremiah, oh my gosh, hi. Because he's not going to kill me when he snaps. He might kill me because my dogs yell at him. I don't think so. He's nice. I mean, he is I'm nice. I'm so scared my fair. dogs, uh, like, he's just going to break one day and shoot my dogs because they bark so much well i have a german shepherd husky mix and a german shepherd lab mix and they like borkin they They pick and choose they like certain cars and they dislike certain cars that's true the mailman is great man he gives them treats and he yells at them every day yep my mail the mailman it's the same mailman gives my my dog treats so every time my dog hears the mailman he's like oh come please let me outside i want to go kiss the mailman oh yeah kyle loves him that's nice another little known fact (laughs) fuck is wrong with me willow's dog yes my dog our brother and sister our brother and sister and he's so cute when they were babies, we used to take them babies. on walks together, and they would tangle up their little leashes, mm-hmm. and they look the exact same, only one's brown and one's black. And their ears, one is bent and one sits straight up, but they're opposite. For the other dog. For the other, like, they match, like, they're mirrored. To be fair, though, my dog is, like, much bigger than your dog. Yes. I don't know what happened. He is a mammoth beast. Mine is, I always get the runs, so, of yeah, course, I got tiny. the runs. And then I have Bunny, the four-pound Pomeranian, mm-hmm. who is insane. But we love her. All right, moving on to more weird facts. Another woman said she saw the Sodder kids the next day on December 26th, right outside of Fayetteville, West Virginia. She served them pancakes for breakfast. Is that a little diner? And they got into a car with Florida plates. Jenny did have family in Florida, so it was assumed for a while they'd been kidnapped and taken there by her family for some fucking reason. So much so that her family had to prove their children were theirs with, like, birth certificates and shit. I hate that. Such a stupid theory. It's so far-reaching. Stupid, stupid, stupid theory. I hate stupid theories. Moving on to more stupid theories. Yeah. Why did it take seven hours for the fire department to show up? With everything else that happens in this case, it makes you, it looks less like negligence and more like deliberate. It's deliberate. Seems a bit deliberate. Yes. I don't know because fucking Fire Chief Morris was an idiot. So it's hard to think he like planned anything. So with these things in mind, the Sodders hired a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley. Tinsley heard rumors in town, this is so fucking wild, that Fire Chief Morris had actually found what he believed to be a human heart in the ashes of the fire. And so he buried it. In his guilt, he confessed to his local minister. And so Tinsley and George confronted Morris and he admitted to it, and then he took them to the spot where he buried this box, and they dug it up, and he let them take it with them. And it ended up being a cow liver. They took it to a funeral director, and he's like, this is not even human, and it's never even been in a fire. You don't and have it's to not take even it. old. This is like a couple years after the after You the don't death, have to take it to fire. a funeral director to know that that's a liver. 
This was in 1949. So a liver and a heart look completely different. This is 40 years. No, it's about three years after the fire. So why would the liver still be fresh? So the liver, well, the heart. Okay, let's let's say that it is the heart, even though it looks like a liver and it is a liver and not a heart. The 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 heart survived the fire, but not the bones. But not the bones. Not the bones. Not the teeth. Not the hair. Nothing. Well, not the hair, but like you know what I mean. Like not like, any other organ. Not any other organ. Just the fucking okay. Well, anyway, it obviously wasn't and that. was able to be preserved for three years in a without box. turning into mush. So here's now here's the ladder being missing. But why explained. Would he lie about that. I'll get into my theories on that. So George finally got like them to do like an official inquest into the deaths and everything. And they discovered via a witness who had stolen the ladder. It was a man named Dave Adkins and Lonnie Johnson. They owned a kind of a seedy bar in town, probably the one the fucking fire chief was at. And they Mm -hmm. had, that night, gone to the solder house, cut the telephone line. They'd meant to cut the power line to the house, which I don't understand. And they were stealing some equipment out of solder's trucks. So they're messing with the trucks. They're the one reason the telephone line didn't work. Are they also the reason the truck didn't work? Now, they claimed they didn't steal the ladder. Lonnie Johnson was the only one interviewed by police because Dave Adkins had joined the military right after the fire and went off to fucking World War II, so he couldn't get in trouble for any of this. You mean to tell me some stolen tools and you're going to go fight in World War II? I think they had more to do with it. I think they started the fire. I want to know what their ties are to the fire chief. And to anything else. No, to Italy. They did not have ties to Italy. They didn't. They were just two American guys. They weren't immigrants or anything. Um, They just were like scumbags and petty criminals that just stole shit. Okay, but this, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's too precise... Right. Remember, the phone call comes in. Had to then they cut. cut the wires in between an hour in between twelve thirty and one thirty a.m. So in that time, you're telling me they stole. Two people came in and stole the ladder. A separate person dropped the fire bombs. They, and they think no. They separate... think they think it was those two that okay, did. Okay. Okay. And then someone else at the exact same time came and stole the children. Well. That's supposing the children didn't burn to death in the fire. But they didn't. Well, they may have, and I'll get into why that may be true. Okay. Because there's there's two schools of thoughts on this. They perished in the fire, they were kidnapped. Right. So I'm I'm leaning towards they perished in the fire, but I'll talk about the other theories too. Okay. So why did Fire Chief Morris bury a fucking liver in a box? Because he never explained himself. I think he was hoping, I think he felt guilty that he waited so fucking long and fucked around and those kids died in that fire and the dad kept poking around and poking around and it annoyed him. And so he was hoping when, when George hired that investigator Tinsley, I think that's when he buried the liver in the box and made that confession to his priest and just let the rumor spread around town. So they would dig it up and give up looking saying, oh yeah, the kids died. How sad. It's already done. That's so stupid, though. He's not a smart man. 
It's very dumb. Yeah. I that's used to why feed I my think cat liver and I know exactly what a liver looks like. I know what a liver like. looks like too. But you know what? Not everyone does and the and not everybody had the same access to education, even the limited one we had. I just think that they, but they would, were on a farm, like, so I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say I think that they of all people would know more so than people of today. Well, I'm about to blow your mind more weird shit happens that okay. is coincidental. But okay. I actually believe it's a coincidence. Okay. So George wrote a letter to J. Edgar Hoover, who was at the time the director of the FBI and a crossdresser, as we know. Yes. Not trans, a crossdresser. There's a difference. Um, do your thing. Yeah, do your thing, J. Edgar. You were also a giant piece of shit, you dirtbag, and I hope you're in hell. And none of those cool cha-cha heels fit you. I was about to say something about uh, vacuum cleaners because of the Hoover. And you, you called him a dirtbag, which... Oh. Ha <laughs> ha! I like that. Okay. Listen, anyway, thank you for yeah, pointing that yeah, out. Tip that. So, J. Edgar Hoover wrote him back and was like, hey, this is local jurisdiction, but if the local police say they want us to be involved, we will come help. Okay. The local police, uh-uh. Wow. Didn't want it. Neither did the fire department. Come on, you guys. They're so lazy. Not only that, they just... Wa- like, why not? Suspicious. So, in August of 1949, George convinced a pathologist from Washington, D.C. to oversee the excavation of his memorial garden. He wanted to find the fucking bones, whether they were there or not. Yes. And they found bones. Oh. But hold on. They found several bone fragments. All of them ended up being from the same person, and they were the vertebrae, like, from the spine. But okay. they were fused. That indicates that the person had to be at least 16 to 17 years old. The oldest child that would have died in the fire was 14, Maurice. Because your your spinal column doesn't fuse like that until right. you're an adult. Right, right, right. Now, it is possible that they were Maurice's because it can fuse early, but it is really unlikely. Isn't it more rare on on boys no it's the other way around it would be more likely to be from a boy a teenage boy gotcha so it's possible but very very unlikely gotcha so they figured out where the bones came from george had gotten the filter near a cemetery oh someone else's fucking bones and they never figured out who no yeah now they gave the bones back to george but they can, are missing. Can you imagine being that ghost? Being like, you, <laughs> you're like so glitchy. Damn. You're like, I'm I don't here, know where here, to I'm haunt. Here, here. <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing? But they didn't find any other bones in there. Yeah. And they, when they dug down in there, they found like appliances and shit that hadn't been all the way burned. Mm. So you mean to tell me they can't find one bone from them children? Right. It's There's also five children. It's also possible someone planted those fucking bones there. No shit. Yes given what Morris did with a fucking liver in a box. So while I think it is possible that the children perished in the fire, I'm waffling on this one. It, I don't know. All right, we're going on. Now we're going on to more rumors. And that's where Tinsley, the investigator, said the bones came from a cemetery. Someone told him that, but he couldn't reveal his source because he promised he wouldn't. And we'll never know who gave that tip. In 1950, the West Virginia legislature said the case was hopeless and closed it. They're just like, I don't know. Oh, 
Fuck you. The FBI then determined that it had jurisdiction if it was an out-of-state kidnapping. But after two years, they just gave up. It's fucked up. really is. When the addition of... There was an addition of reward posters and the amount jumped up to $10,000. New leads came more frequently, especially sightings. Literally none of them panned out. There were hundreds of them. George, for the rest of his life and when he was able traveled and investigated the leads himself. Oh, honey. I know. One particular lead stuck with George for the rest of his life. He traveled to Houston in 1967 to where a woman had said that his son Louis had confessed his true background to her. And while George wasn't able to speak to that woman, the police led him to the man who claimed to be Louis and one of his other sons, Maurice. Both men denied it, but they acted weird. And to this, you know, and till the day he died, he believed that they might have been his sons. Oh. Oh, yeah, pitiful. One of the strangest tips came as a letter in 1968 addressed only to Jenny. It had no return address and was postmarked from Kentucky. Inside was a photograph of a young man with a cryptic message written on the back of the picture. It said, Louis Sauter, I love Brother Frankie. I-L-I-L, boys, A90132, or 35. Louis was nine when he disappeared or died in the fire. Both Ginny and George thought the man in the picture resembled their son. Same dark hair. He had the same kind of intense eyes. They hired a private detective to look into that lead in particular. They gave him like $2,000. He took their money and disappeared. And they were like, all their money is practically gone at this point. George died in 1969. Jenny remained in the family home. She wore all black for the rest of her life, signifying Same. that she was in mourning. Yeah. She tended the memorial garden until her death, and when she died, the billboard depicting her five missing children was taken down. Little Sylvia Sauter is now 77, the last of the Sauter children left alive. To this day, she still tries to get the word out about her missing siblings. Oh, wow. I know. Case is wild, so here's my theories. If you'd like. Okay. If you're, if you're ready for this. I'm ready. So, my theory that the children died. It's possible the remains were overlooked. When you're doing an investigation into a fire, you comb through that shit with rakes, and sometimes it can take months to collect right. all the evidence. They closed out that scene in two hours. Who knows? I mean, animals could have come and dug up the bones and carried them away. They could have never find them because the addition of the fill dirt destroyed evidence and displaced the remains. I think it's most likely, if we use Occuman's razor, that the little children died in the fire. So why didn't they scream? Little children, under the, like usually under the age of 12, typically when there's a fire, will like hide in a closet. They move away from wherever the heat is, and they asphyxiate. That could have been another reason. The smoke got to them first while they were asleep yes. and they asphyxiated, thus they couldn't scream. Yes. Now, there's another saying that, you know, they, hold on just a second, my throat decided to not throat anymore. <laughs> Unlike Nancy Reagan, apparently. What? Haven't you heard the jokes about Nancy Reagan? No. So somebody released a memoir and they knew Nancy Reagan when she was young and apparently nobody sucked dick better than Nancy Reagan. Well, hot damn. Throat goat. 
Throat goat. That is correct. Wow. This disgusting saying on the internet. Never heard it. Yeah, she gobbled cock like nobody's business. Good job. Good the only her. nice thing she did, considering how she behaved during the AIDS crisis, I hope you're in hell, choking on the spikiest, nastiest, lava-spewing cock that ever existed, Nancy. Yeah. It's because of her people called it the gay plague and shit. She mm. was really instrumental in, in a lot of hate that came towards came gay people's way. Fuck you, Nancy. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, little kids... That's what they do in fires. They act, they don't cry out for help. They hide. Well, and in like really intense and terrifying situations, your voice kind of goes away. And that too, well, They just don't think to. They just try and hide because that's kind of instinctual, like a little fawn, you know? They hide mm-hmm. when there's danger. Little kids are the same way. Um, I think it's more than likely they asphyxiated on smoke mm-hmm. because the kidnap theory just doesn't make sense. There wasn't enough time to get five children out. Now, it is possible that someone kidnapped them while they were outside doing their chores. Yes, because the doors were not locked. That is correct. They would have locked the doors. However, it's believed Marion was still awake for that, and she didn't hear anything, and they came back inside. So there's some debate on whether that's true or not. Okay. In addition, the guys, Lonnie Johnson and Dave Atkins... I think they set fire to the fucking house. I think they had some kind of grudge against George for whatever reason. And I think they were trying to steal from him and cover their tracks by setting fire to the home. And I think they cut the phone line on purpose so they couldn't call the police. Yes. And I think they tried to kill the entire fucking family and steal their shit. That's exactly what I think happened. I think the kids died. Sad, but true. The kidnap doesn't make any sense. And given the time between the phone call... The witness placing Lonnie and Dave at the scene, and then ad- Lonnie admitted to it. He even returned the shit he stole. He Besides only got that. charged twenty five dollars for that theft. No jail time. What the fuck? And the cops didn't even look into it because the cops suck. Sorry, I just hit my mic with a fucking. I'm gonna put the pop filter down because I've hit the mic twenty times now. See? You can hear my pops instead. See? Sorry about my mouth noises. Fuck. We are dealing with in-between Okay, so here's what's got to happen. I've got to get my computer repaired. We just think it's the power supply. I don't think it's my motherboard, although it could be. Um, but, but it's a gaming rig that I spent thousands of dollars on over time, so I'd really like to not have to do that again. I just want to get it fixed. But until then, we're in my husband's office, and we don't have a door, so you can hear the whole rest of the house and I am not at my usual place. So I'm all weird. Yes. And we have switched microphones and she has to use the pop filter that I usually do. And now we'll be getting a new pop filter soon and a new microphone in January. So we'll both have the same quality mic. We both have portable uh, sound booths. So there'll be less background noise. We also got a new audio interface, which means it takes producer will less time to edit our episodes and get them up less chance for technical issues that way. And we're really, I mean, gosh, we'll spend all of their money on this from their job. And I just, that really it's means really a lot sweet. to me, and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. In addition to buying the whole family Christmas presents, because I couldn't afford them, because this year's been rough. Yeah, I sound like a Dickens novel. No, it just, it's a really shit 
time. I mean, it's not like I mean, we're happy, but it's sure, just really yes. hard. It's just a really difficult It's been a really rough time. year for me in general, and I don't want to get into it, like, because it just did a depressing case. Instead, I'd like to move on to business matters, Willow. Okay. Are you ready for them? I'm ready. I want to talk about our fucking Patreon. Let's of talk all things. About it. Yeah. And sorry for doing that Valley Girl thing where everything's a question. Like, why am I doing that? I hate that, by the way. Just really? Talk. It just sounds like you're not sure of anything that you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is actually sad. But, uh, no, our Patreon, I have really exciting things planned. Me too. I'll go first and then you go. I'm not telling mine, but you can go. You're not telling yours? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Don't be a turd. I'll, t- I'll tell some of them. Tell I have a lot them. planned. Yeah, we have a lot planned. So the first thing I have planned is within a week, depending on producer Will's schedule, we are going to finally have our Discord up. It's not just for patrons, but there is a special VIP room where we will be in it. I will anyway all day, and you can talk to me if you want while I'm doing various nonsense. Um, and otherwise you guys can get together and talk amongst yourselves. So we'll have a discord up and I'll have, um, I'm reworking our link tree, which you can find everywhere. It's just cruelty. What's the link tree link? Cruelty. It's just link tree slash cruelty. That's it. There you go. And so that has like all of our links. And so I'm getting that worked on. So it'll have the discord links. It's just free to go there. But if you become a patron, you get in our VIP room. Also, I'm going to be attempting to do kind of little mini episodes. They're about 10, 15 minutes long. And I will upload those several times a week. And that's going to, I'm going to be doing little ghost stories or just little weird things that are cool, but just not full episode. Cool. I don't like drawing stuff out for no fucking reason. And so yeah, I just, uh, uh, that's what I'm adding. But if you do join our Patreon, no ads, and an additional episode a week on shit that doesn't necessarily either fit the theme or is just, you know, weird shit. Stuff's on our mind. <coughs> that was a sneeze. <laughs> My God, allergies. I know. Okay. Wow, that hurt me because I tried to keep it on the inside. El Nina. El Nina. She's windy and warm. Yes. I'm literally sweating buckets in here, right? I really it's disgusting. The butt's sweaty. So what do you got planned for Patreon that you want to share since you have secrets now, um, apparently? Well, there's just some cases that don't fit any themes that I'm just like, like, I don't know, a few documentaries that I've watched that I'm like, oh, this is a fucking cool case. Let's talk about it. Um, also, we were going to do, um, during cult month, um yeah yeah, we're gonna talk about some things and then i've got some deep dives to do uh on patreon yes we also want to do a little mini documentary about our town and tell you all the ghost stories yes 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 on location yes and we still want to do a live on location like either seance or ghost hunt or whatever Mm -hmm. like either at the crescent or the palace i personally want the palace because i haven't stayed there myself yeah and there's also well i mean there's a spa at the crescent too but I want to stay at the palace, but I want to go to the Crescent just so everybody can see it. Well, when we do our little mini documentary, we will go inside the Crescent and show everybody around. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's our news. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash cruelty. It is $5 a month for all of that shit. It's a good deal. 
Mm-hmm. And we will continue to add more content every day. Yeah. Because right now, I think there are... There's like 8 to 10 episodes. There's like almost 12 episodes that you guys have not heard that are on our Patreon. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that number will only fun grow. fun stuff is over there. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Like, I did uh, the... What did I do there? I did Victorian UFOs. That was a really interesting case. Yeah. It was really mm-hmm. weird, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And then you covered mummia and bitumen, which I thought yes. was where people just straight up eat ground up mummies, yes. which is fucked up. Because of a really stupid mistranslation. mistranslation. Oh, the Victorian love... era was wild, you guys. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's so stupid. But otherwise, we're going to go because we've already been recording a really long time, like just almost three hours. So we're yeah. tired now and we want to like go eat stuff and lay down. Yeah. Join us on our tea party and... Join the cruel tea party. Not the tea party the Republicans are in, because that's gross. We are not Republican. We're not even Democrats. We're like anarchists or something. Don't say it too loud or we'll go to jail. They'll put us in a gulag, Willow. (laughs) And we're too pretty for the gulag. Yeah. I think so. Anyway. We love y'all. Thank you for putting up with us being grumpy. We really appreciate you guys sticking yeah, with us, we do. like through but our. The numbers have been going way, way up. Right, our listeners, but through and our so... duct tape microphones <laughs> yeah. and so, like, like we have one recording where the mic is completely gone. The because entire... my computer died again. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. the first time it it's died. been. It's been an uphill battle because we are just dirt fucking poor, and. But we, we are, are committed. Making this happen. Committed to it. everything that we have. Yeah. And I fucking love it. And I fucking love you. And yeah. I fucking love this shit. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Until next time. Good night. Night. social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.